Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Psalm chapter number 7 where we're going to be today. Psalm 7. We've been in a series entitled Summer Psalms. Um, not necessarily that the Psalms are from the summer, um, but we are going through the book of Psalms this summer. We've been going through it on Sundays, but then also on Wednesdays and uh, going through it a little bit differently on Wednesdays with a little bit more discussion on Sundays, a little bit more um, uh, teaching only. And so uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this. I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone preaching through the Psalms, uh, Psalm by Psalm. And I think I'm beginning to realize why, because they are a little bit repetitive. But um, one of the things that I've enjoyed is each and every week trying to pull something out that is different. And so um, some of what we are doing is as the Psalms maybe do get a little bit repetitive, we're just pulling out different principles. And today we're going to pull out a principle that I think is going to be super helpful. So I want you to pay attention to that. But let's go ahead and we'll read the Psalm. And then we will dive right into uh, three quick thoughts and uh, get you out of here, uh, hopefully right on time. But we all know that that probably won't happen. All right. Psalm 7. Um, well, we won't take the time to read the whole psalm because it is a little bit lengthier. And so Psalm 7 begins this way in verse number one. It says, O Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them, from them all. Well, sorry. He should have just said from y'all. From all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. I want you to really hang on to those really verses uh, three through five. Um, I want you to hang on to those and we'll come back and we'll look at them one more time in just a second. But let's continue reading. He says, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. I want you to go back and look at verse number uh, verse number eight. Let's read that out loud together. Verse number eight, ready, begin. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. And then I want you to go back up. You, we won't read these out loud together, but I want to read verses three through five out loud uh, for you so that you can kind of pay attention to those. Verse three says this, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. 
Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us as we look at Psalm chapter number 7, a different perspective. Psalm chapter 7, a different perspective. Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for your word, Lord, for uh, just your goodness to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us today as we seek to apply this to our hearts. Lord, may we see that there are moments in our lives to where we need to change our perspective. God, I ask that you would help us to see things differently, Lord, that we would see things as you see them and not as maybe our culture tells us to see them or not even as we, are, as we see them through our own eyes. Lord, may we see them through your eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you, you've ever went to like a science center or something along those lines, uh, like on a field trip, or maybe if you're in here and you're a teacher, you went to a science center growing up or something like that. Okay, two of you, four, all right? Some of you have been to a science center. All right, good. So one of the things that I always remember about going to a science center is that there was normally some sort of experiment there where you could look through something. But one of the things that I distinctly remember, and I'm, I, I just struggle wrapping my mind around this. How many of you know what a periscope is? You know what a periscope is? Okay. Basically, it's like a telescope, but it has like an elevated thing to it, all right, to where like you can see, it uses mirrors so that you can see uh, something that is above. And I remember the first time we went to, I went to a science center in West Virginia, okay, when I, where I grew up, all right, so you know it was super scientific, all right. <laughs> um, but I went to a science center in West Virginia. I remember there was a periscope in there. And the thing that blew my mind about a periscope was what they basically had was they had a periscope that went up to another level. So you were on the first level and you could look through it and you could actually see things that were happening on the next level. And it was just mind boggling to me. And the truth is, is that sometimes as Christians, we have a tendency to view our life through a telescope or through a microscope and not through a periscope. And let me explain why. We have a tendency of seeing that which is only right in front of us rather than seeing things at a different level, specifically at God's level. We often view just what we can comprehend. We often view that which only we can see. And we never really encourage ourselves or force ourselves to see things from God's perspective. And in Psalm chapter number 7, the thing that is different in this psalm than compared to every other psalm that we've covered is this, is that David once again prays for his enemies. David once again understands how God influences his life. But he has this moment in verses 3 through 5 where he says, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? Have you ever asked yourself, what if I'm the one who's wrong? You see, so many times in life we have these problems, we have these issues, we maybe have relational struggles, we have maybe mental issues, we maybe have um, uh, emotional struggles, we have financial struggles, we have whatever, okay? You can go through a gamut of things that you can list. We have these struggles, and very rarely do we actually have this perspective of, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm the one who's causing the problems? I want to remind you of a verse in Proverbs that to me is so profound and yet something that we very rarely lean on. The Bible says this, it says, only by pride cometh contention. Can you guys say that out loud with me? Only by pride cometh contention. So I want you to think for just a moment. What are some areas in your life where there are contention? And by the way, hopefully the answer is none. Congratulations, all right? But there will come a point to where there is some sort of struggle, some sort of contention. What are the areas of your life 
that, are, have, that have some contention in them, that have something to where there's a rub. Now, here's what I want to ask you, and I want the Holy Spirit to do the work and not me, okay? Is there pride on your part in that problem? Is there pride on your part in that problem? Meaning this, that if there's contention, there's also pride. If there's contention, there's also pride. And so David, in this passage, I believe that this almost cross-references with that thought, and here's why. Because he has this moment where he says, Lord, please destroy my enemies, kill them, take them away from me. But if I'm the one who's wrong, then I need to see things differently. So I want to give you three perspectives from this passage and then apply this and hopefully give you a different perspective on some of your problems. The first one is this. I want you to notice the perspective of the enemy. He says this in verse number one and verse number two. He says, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. He says this is what the enemy should be experiencing. They should be seeing how strong you are. They should be seeing how you can deliver. They should be seeing how, how great you are. They should be seeing who you are. And one of the things that I want you to see from this passage is this, is don't ever pray on your enemies what or the things that the problems of your life. Don't ever pray on them what you desire and what you want to show them. Ask that they see your God for who he really is. How many times do we pray and we ask God to solve our problems by showing other people how right we are rather than showing other people how good God is? I want to say that again because I don't know that it always clicks with us. How often do we pray that others in our situations and maybe the things that we're experiencing see how right we are rather than how good God is? Wouldn't it be great rather than maybe someone stepping back and saying, hey, you know what, I just wanted to come and tell you that you were right. I'm so sorry. You're the greatest human being I've ever met. Like you're a wonderful person. Like that's what we want to hear. But wouldn't it be incredible if God's people begin to ask God to show others and maybe show certain situations how good God is? Wouldn't it be great if someone came back to you and said, hey, I just wanted you to know that I know that we still disagree on this, but I've noticed that you still have joy in the midst of this problem. That means that you have something that I don't have. I want you to know that I don't know what's going on in your life, but there's something different about you. The God that you say that you serve is actually real. But rather, what we, we would rather someone tell us how good we are and how right we are than how good God is. And so there's the enemy's perspective. The enemy's perspective should not be, oh, this person is so much better than I am. The enemy's perspective should be, this person's God is greater than what I thought. But then secondly, and where we'll spend the most of our time, there's this perspective of self. There's the perspective of self. I want to ask you a quick question, okay? It's one that I've been wrestling with a lot here lately because I'm just watching Christians' lives and it seems like that there's so much that is in disarray. Here's the question. What would it take for you to admit that you're wrong? What would it take for you to admit that you're wrong? Now let me stop and I'll feel like I always have to clarify for all of the critical Christians out there, okay? I'm not talking about denouncing your faith. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about anything doctrinal. I'm talking about possibly your attitude towards someone. 
I'm talking about possibly the way that you interact with someone. I'm talking about maybe it's something to where you put your head down and you did what you wanted to do, and now you're starting to see some of the repercussions of it, okay? I'm talking about maybe how you have communicated with someone. I'm not talking about doctrinal things. I'm not talking about what would it take for you to change your, your stance on abortion or what would it take for you to change. I'm not talking about those things. Here's what I'm talking about. What would it take for you to admit that you have had a wrong attitude towards someone? What would it take for you to admit that you maybe haven't handled a situation well? What would it take for you to admit that maybe your perspective on tithing is wrong? What would it take for you to admit that maybe your perspective on sin or whatever, what would it take for you to admit that? Do you know what I see in a lot of Christians' lives, and mine included sometimes? Is that we very rarely ever have these spiritual moments where we say, you know what, I missed on that one. I I was handling this situation this way, and it was wrong. And David in this passage does something that I think that we need to become more accustomed to as Christians. He says, Lord... If it's my fault, then let me pay the penalty. Our prayers would look a little bit different if we weren't so 100% confident that we were right, would they? If we weren't so 100% confident that, man, bless God, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to walk into my boss and I'm going to tell him what I really think, okay? Just a little reminder, you could be wrong, okay? You, You could be wrong on that if you're dating, Okay? Or one of these days when you're married, bless God, I'm going to go in, I'm going to tell my wife, or I'm going to tell my husband, or I'm going to tell whoever, I'm going to tell them what I really think. Okay? Just a little hint here, you could be wrong. Okay? And sometimes what we have a tendency to do is we dig in on things that matter not to God because we're so convinced that we're right. We're convinced that we're right about our employer. We're convinced that our, we're right about our, our spouse. We're convinced that we're right about our coworker. We're convinced that we're right about people who are pro-choice and, and we're pro-life. And so, bless God, I'm going to chew everybody out who's pro-choice on Facebook. Okay, Just a little reminder, you may not be wrong on the issue, but you may be wrong in your spirit. Okay, I can walk up to someone and I can tell them, hey, just so you know, that tie is ugly. Okay? Or I can walk up and say, you look like the stupidest, biggest idiot ever, and that tie is super ugly. There's two different perspectives there, isn't there? You can speak truth and completely ignore it and and degrade it because of how you spoke it. I can tell you that 2 plus 2 equals 4, or I can yell 2 plus 2 equals 4. And guess what? 2 plus 2 equals 4, but if I yell it at you, and I scold you, and I slap your hand when you pick up the wrong marble, and you say that it equals 5, guess what? There's going to be a different viewpoint on that, isn't there? And sometimes what we have a tendency of doing as Christians is this. We take the truth that we know that we have from God's Word, and we speak it in a way to where it's like, well, I don't even want to believe that. You could be wrong on some areas. So let me ask you that question one more time. What would it take for you to admit you're wrong? And then here's the follow-up question to that. Are there any areas right now that because of your pride, it's caused contention? And by the way, just so you know, some of you are like, oh my goodness, he might, I I don't know what anyone, I, I know what people are going through. Let me take that back, okay? I pray for each and every one of you. If you come talk to me, I know just the tip of the iceberg, I'm sure, okay? 
But here's the truth, okay? The Bible has a way of speaking to things that, that I don't know that I can ever dig into, okay? I am not someone who stands up and preaches people's problems. I want to give you principles that you can walk out of here, and it's up to you whether or not you use them, okay? It's up to you whether or not you use them. But we have to have this perspective of, you know what? It could very well be that my attitude towards this situation has been wrong. I've been, show, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been showing pride in this area of contention. I've, I've maybe struggled with this area. I could be wrong. So what would it take for you to admit you're wrong? And then thirdly is this. I want you to notice the perspective of God. The perspective of God. He says in verse number 6, Arise, O Lord, in thine anger lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake from me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. Look at verse number 8. The Lord shall judge the people. But then look at his next words. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns my defenses of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Can I teach you something that the Lord taught me a couple of months ago when I read through this psalm? I've got it written right here beside this so many times maybe if you're dealing with people issues maybe let's don't let's remove people out of it okay maybe if you just say i'm dealing with this scenario maybe your enemy is more of a mental enemy maybe your enemy is more of a financial enemy or a relational enemy or whatever okay whatever you can say this is where i've got contention in my life wouldn't it be great if rather than choosing to stoop and dip our sails to fight a battle that only God can win, we said, God, judge me according to my righteousness and mine integrity? I want you to think for just a second. Think about the scenario and the situation that you might be dealing with. By the way, some of you, I know when I ask these questions, it's like, uh, uh, okay, okay, he's, he's, he, he already moved on, so I don't have to think of anything, all right? I know how it works, all right? I, I've sat in church a lot, all right? But if you did think of anything, this, this lesson might be for six people in the room, okay? And that's okay. Hopefully you made some notes and you can come back to it later on in life when it is for you, okay? But maybe you've got some sort of scenario that you just, and you sit some sort of situation and you just say, this is what is driving me crazy right now. A lot of times we want, I want you to listen to this. Please don't miss this, okay? We want God to judge them for their wickedness or judge the problem for their wickedness rather than God judge us for our righteousness. Okay? You say, I don't get what you're saying. Let me explain. We want God to judge them for their wickedness rather than judge us for our righteousness. Meaning this, 
if there is a scale of wickedness to righteousness up here, okay? Wickedness is on the left, righteousness is over here on the right. What we want God to do is we want him to look and we want him to find the person who is more to the wicked side than we are, right? Lord, judge them. Lord, fix them. Lord, show them where they're wrong, okay? Let's take this issue that's kind of hitting the, the news right now as far as abortion and pro-life. What we say is, well, we're pro-life, okay? We, we believe that the Roe v. Wade is wicked. We believe that the, the people should not be allowed to have abortion. And so what we do is we say, Lord, judge those who are to the left of me on this issue, okay? Lord, fix that problem. Fix them. And here's what I want you to see is David doesn't pray, judge them for their wickedness. He says, judge me for my righteousness, meaning this. You will always be able to find someone that is to the left of you in some sort of scenario who's more wrong than you are. And so what we often pray to God is we often say, God, they are more wrong than I am, so judge them for their wrongness, judge them for their wickedness, when what God would rather us do is this, is to use the wickedness of this world as an opportunity to become more like his son and more righteous in our lives. For most of us, what we do is we say, God, this is the problem, fix this, not God, fix me in the midst of this problem. And that's the reason why we never change. We say, God, would you please resolve this issue? God, they're obviously more wrong than I am, so please fix them. Please fix this. Once you fix this, I'll be okay. When what God would rather us do is say, God, here's the issue, and so as a result of this issue, I'm going to learn how to be a, more, a, a bigger person of integrity. God, they're talking about me behind my back. They're, they're gossiping about me. They're saying evil things about me. And so what we, listen to this. I want you to listen to this because this is so not our human nature. So what do we do? Well, if they're going to talk about me, I'm going to talk about them. I'm just not going to say as much bad stuff about them because I want them to get the judgment, not me, right? That's how we live. Well, I, I did it in a Christ. I, I just like wanted people to pray for them, okay? That's how, we, that's how Christians gossip. Would you please pray for so-and-so, okay? And, right, okay. But what we do is we almost make it to where whoever's the worst one gets the bigger judgment, when what we should do is this. Lord, would you judge me for how much you're helping me grow? Lord, they're talking about me, so I'm not going to talk about them. Lord, they're gossiping about me, so I'm not going to gossip about them. Lord, they're living a wicked life, so I'm going to make sure that my life is pure. Lord, they're doing something that I don't agree with, so I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the things that you do agree with. That's not the way that we live, is it? Let's just, can, can you guys agree with me for just like two seconds? All right. That's not the way. That, here, I'll put, I'll put myself under the bus. Boop, boop. All right. That's not the way I typically respond to problems. I don't typically look at a problem and think, how can this make me better? When I believe that what we need to step back and see from God's perspective is this. is from God's perspective, this isn't a, Christianity and prayer and, and judgment and all these things. It's not a wickedness competition, okay? Oh, God's going to get the person who's more wicked. Watch out. Oh, yep, better watch for lightning this week, okay? Because you're worse than I am, all right? 
That's not the way that it works. What if Jesus Christ would have responded to the Pharisees like that? What if Paul would have responded to the people who persecuted him like that? What if, what if really any character in Scripture would have seen that the way that we do? Well, all I've got to do is be one step better than they are. They, I, they just have to be one step more wicked than me, and they're the ones who's going to get the... Like, we act like that God's lightning strike is so specific that it's like, well, as long as I'm here and not here, then that means it's going to get them and not get me. That's not the way that it works. What we should be doing is this. The different perspective that we should have is that the enemy, whatever you're struggling with, maybe it's not even a person, maybe it's just anxiety... Wouldn't it be great if rather than defeating your anxiety and your stress and your depression by how good you are, the anxiety and stress and depression saw how good your God was? What if maybe the person who's been giving you grief at work or giving you grief in your family, what if rather than seeing how, how well you've dealt with it, they saw how good God dealt with it? The different perspective should be that the enemy sees how good your God is. The different perspective for yourself should be, hey, I might be wrong in this. I might be bringing pride into this contention. I might just be pouring gas on the fire with how I'm responding to it. But the perspective that God should see is this, is that God, I'm not going to stand up here and ask that you judge them for their wickedness. I'm going to ask that you judge me for my righteousness. I'm going to ask that you look at the integrity that you've begun to develop in me. And watch this. Sometimes we struggle with difficult situations because we think, well, what good came out of this? Can I talk you through something that I've had to learn probably the hard way multiple times? And then I'll be done. I don't have a watch on. My watch is dead. Okay? So we're here till I'm done. All right? Um, I've had to learn this the hard way multiple times is that so many times I ask and I pray for God to fix something or someone. And when he doesn't do it long term, maybe I've been praying about it for years. Maybe it's just like, okay, that's just a frustrating situation. I'm done praying about it, okay? Sometimes we want to step back and we say, God, what good came out of that? You didn't fix it. Lord, you know they're wrong. I know they're wrong. All God's children knows they're wrong. So why don't, you, why don't you change it? Could it be that God's win was never the, to prove you right, but to make you righteous? Could it be that God's win was never to show just how good you are, but to be, make you more like his son in the midst of that situation? To teach you something about himself? to teach you something about maybe even yourself that, hey, I, I get bitter pretty quick, okay? I didn't deal well with that. And I don't know what you're struggling with, but here's what I want you to see. It should not be a perspective of, well, I've just got to be better than so-and-so so that God judges them and doesn't judge me. The perspective should be this, God I don't know what you're going to do with them. But I know that you're doing a work in me. And so I'm going to surrender to that as hard and as unnatural as it may be.
I'm going to let you do some work in my life. I, it, they might have zero integrity. They, they, might, they might not be any more Christ-like as a result of the situation, and that's fine, but I'm going to be. My, prop, my, my, my stress is never going to change, but I can become more like you in the midst of my stress. My problems are never going to look any different. My, my education, my relational issues, the breakup that I've experienced, whatever, okay? You're never going to fix that, but I can promise you this, God, that you're doing a work in me, and so would you please judge me for what you're doing in me, not judge them because of who they are. That's a different perspective, isn't it? That's not the way that we live, but I can promise you this, that it should become the way that we live, and here's why. Because it is a different perspective on a higher level. It's easy to take the microscope and look into everybody else's life and say, oh, look, God, there it is. There's that little thing that you need to work on. Do you see that? It's easy to take the telescope and purely look at what's in front of us, maybe even dig deeper into something, see something further. But looking at something on a different level means this, that we've got to start to see something from God's point of view and not ours. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.